pride, confidence, extraordinary talent. They're the signature of a superstar performer. Add arrogance, conceit, self-adulation to the equation, and you've defined the very essence of Shawn Michaels. Nobody but nobody tells me what to do. For two months, the self-proclaimed master antagonist has launched a calculated and brutal war of destruction on the phenom of the World Wrestling Federation. I made you taste your blood once. You are gonna taste it again. And like hyenas rapid from the scent of a fresh kill, his pack of allies have been quick to join the slaughter. We came, we saw, and we kicked the dead man's ass. But tonight, within the unforgiving confines of a specially constructed steel cell, the cocksure tormentor will become the tormented. Tonight, Shawn Michaels will stare into the eyes of a merciless reaper, hell-bent on revenge. There'll be no helmsman, no China, no insurance policy to save his soul. Tonight, there's no way in, no way out, no one to stop the carnage. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to episode 49. It's episode 49 of War Dadgeud. I almost completely forgot, but now I remember. I am your host, Brent Piles, and with me, as always, if I wore to Attitude in 1997, he is the Barroom Brawling Disco Dancing by Stretch and Intercontinental Playboy. Folks, he's more over than Saka is at my house. He's at GA WrestleMania. Glenn, how are you doing? I'm not more over than Saka is in my house. <laughs> you're probably right you're probably not that over <laughs> i'm okay thank you that's good to know i'm glad to hear that you're doing okay. no, we're all happy with our results at the weekend so yes we didn't come to this thing alone since it's in your house bad blood in the debut of kane our main man dan griffin said you gotta let me on this thing i've gotta be on here and we said absolutely sir dan we're happy with our team's football i know you're happy with your team's football this weekend so why don't you go ahead and gloat a little bit I am absolutely ecstatic. Klopp's kids took out the blue billionaire bottle jobs of Chelsea. And I get to talk wrestling with you guys. It's a perfect couple of days. Thanks for having me back. I think it's absolutely hilarious that it was basically Virgil and the second team for Arsenal. And Chelsea still still couldn't score a goal. (laughs) I find that hilarious. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you have a cultured football club that's been built, rebuilt in the image of a great manager compared to spunking a billion quid up a wall because Todd Bowley thought he was putting together an NFL roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to, a uh, pretty good analogy there. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think it really shows to the strength of, you know, what your guys' manager has been doing that you could have that many injuries. Like, I I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was that bad. When they started listing the injuries in the pregame, I was like, holy shit. (laughs) I was like that before the game. (laughs) I bet bet you were. It's amazing. If you take Arsenal's basic starting lineup and Liverpool, what they started with on Sunday, and the average age is 22. Madness. Top second or third in the league is amazing. Yeah, Jamie Dan's came on. The only one that's is the other team that bloody built built himself a bought himself a team. Yeah, but I just have to say, Jamie Dan's came on. 
mm. before that game, he had played one minute yeah. of senior football. <laughs> and he spent th- about 30 minutes just terrorising the Chelsea defence up front. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was. I, uh, you know, me and, me and Glenn are Arsenal fans, so we don't usually cheer for Liverpool. But when they're playing Chelsea, and Chelsea's such a, sh- you know, such shithousery, it's just a lot of fun to make fun of them and laugh at them. <laughs> it really is. And I'm sorry about that deeply offensive image that I sent you guys. That I found oh, uh, on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, the, uh, the Arsenal and Tottenham <laughs> logos combined. It had to be a Tottenham bloody supporter that did that, didn't it? Oh. It was an Arsenal fan. No, it wasn't. It was a Tottenham. <laughs> so it's, 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 yeah. <laughs> In in his handle, it had CHFC, is that? I know, I was just winding you up, Glenn. Uh, yeah. Yeah, fuck that guy. That's the one of the... I, maybe, I literally danced like, I, I, I got something that I'll make you guys want to throw up. And I'm like, oh, God, what is it? Then he sent it to me, and I was like, oh, God, I am going to throw up. What was it? Somebody, somebody in the comments said, get that fucking chicken off our cannon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm not on Twitter, but if I'd have saw that, I would have fucking commented, the fuck we are. <laughs> the fuck we are together, motherfucker. Yeah. I've told Glenn this, but I follow a guy on Instagram, um, and he has two bulldogs, and he has taught his youngest bulldog to go absolutely mad anytime he says Tottenham, and he will just fuck with them and go, oh, the fans online are saying that you're a Tottenham supporter, and the dog will fucking start going ape shit. It's hilarious. <laughs> It's hilarious. I love it. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, we, we usually talk a little football before we get into the wrestling. And we have talked a little bit of the football. We are now going to jump into the wrestling. It's in your house. Bad blood. It took place on October the 5th, 1997 at the Keel Center in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, the Keel Center, which is now known as the Enterprise Center, opened in 1994. Do not confuse it with the Keel Auditorium, which was a big... Um, wrestling you know mainstay in the nwa days for wrestling at the chase that's a whole different arena this was built in the new it's a new keyless center well it was new in 1994 it's not new now um it is a home to the 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 st louis blues of the national hockey league and i of course am a chicago blackhawks fans and they are my team's most hated rival so i would like to just go out here and say fuck the st louis blues i just want to put that out there and say that right <laughs> as we get into this um this has held many. I'm sorry, Glenn. You got something to say? No, no. I'm sorry. I thought you said something. You want to go? Uh, it, it has held many WF slash E pay per views over the years, including the 1998 Survivor Series, the Royal Rumble in 2012, Money in the Bank in 2017, and it also held the 1,000th episode of Monday Night Raw in 2012. And it had, but this was the first. Uh, I'm sorry. And it also had the Raw um, earlier this year on February the 5th. 2024 Raw took place from this arena. Um, and if you happen to find yourself in St. Louis, Missouri on March the 12th, which is coming up here pretty soon, you can head on down to the, the Keel Center here and ha- see Olivia Rodrigo on March the 12th. You guys ever heard of Olivia Rodrigo? I've heard the name, but I'm not sure why. She's a singer. She sings, in my opinion, not very good music, but the teeny boppers seem to love her. So, um, uh-huh. Or, 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 or if you're into country music, maybe you guys are into a little bit of American country music, you can go down and see Tim McGraw on March the 22nd. Have you guys ever heard of Tim McGraw? Yes. Nope. 
thank God you have him. Don't look him up, Glenn. Don't. I mean, don't look him up, Dan. Don't look him up. Um, but if you're not into that, into that, and you can't make it there until after the the springtime in the springtime of May seventh, you can go see Stevie Nicks. Have you guys heard of Stevie oh, Nicks? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, I figured. That's why I threw that one in there at the end because I figured that y'all had heard of Stevie Nicks. Or July the twenty fifth, you can head on down there and see Barry Manilow live in concert. You guys know Barry Manilow? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> I figured. I figured. Um, so yeah, the Coca Cabana again, have they? Oh, is that him? Does he sing the Coca Cabana? Yeah. All right. I did not know that, but I only know like Barry Manilow from uh, the French Fresh Prince of Bel Air because Carlton used to always talk about Barry Manilow. Otherwise, I don't know anything about him. I don't know none of his songs. Um, Are you from skip? Oh, is that a Family Guy skit? Yeah, with uh, when they all they're all like, "Oh, look, Barry Manilow's coming to Cohog. Well, we should go there as a goop." And it turns out they're all secret, massive Manilow fans. Oh and yeah. <laughs> and Quagmire sat on stage, just like just goggled, just <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pick Quagmire out of the crowd to sing to him, right? Yeah, it's all coming yeah, back. All coming one. back to me now. Um, so let's talk about the buy rate for this uh, pay per view here. This took place in. Of course, October of 1997, and it got, I had it, now I lost it, Blad Blood, 186,000 buys, which is a .60 buy rate. It is up about 50,000 buys from Ground Zero, um, but way down from SummerSlam, they got 235,000 buys. Now, in comparison to that, let's look at what WCW Halloween Havoc did this month of 1997, and it did slightly better. You know, 405,000 buys, which is a 1.10 buy rate. So they did slightly better. Only a little bit. (laughs) Just a little bit. In fairness, though, like Bad Blood is obviously kind of like a throwaway pay-per-view because it's not one of the major Mm -hmm. pay-per-views. And Halloween Havoc is like they're almost like their WrestleMania. You could say they're SummerSlam. So it would make sense that it would get a lot more buys than a Bad Blood pay-per-view. You know what I mean? Um but yeah, we did get some somber news as we come into the pay-per-view. We find out that um, they found Brian Pillman passed away in his hotel room um, shortly before the pay-per-view came on the air. So that was a little bit of sad news. Uh, either either one of you guys watched this live, do you remember? No, I didn't. I, I was I was eight years old. I think oh, so. I did. But I, can't, I, I obviously remember the end of it, but I couldn't remember the pay-per-view match. So I was like 14 at this time. I was in the seventh grade, and we used to all go over to my friend's house to watch all the pay-per-views together. So I distinctly remember this, and I remember us all, and this is cold-hearted now, but I want to put it in context that we were all teenagers. And we laughed because we thought this was all a big joke and that Brian Pillman was going to show up on WCW next week. So we're like, oh, yeah, sure he's dead. We believe you. Just just like most of the ICW now, (laughs) IWC now. They just said, yeah, they just said on on, on Saturday, oh, somebody passed away during the night. They would have all been on there going, oh, yeah, it's a work. He'll be on AEW next. I've seen some fuckwits saying that Roman Reigns' leukemia is an angle. (laughs) Oh, yeah, they've been saying that since it fucking happened. They're like, oh, they only did it to get him over. And then I remember people being like, I want to see his medical records. As if you're fucking entitled to that, you fucking 
cunt. I'm gonna be the first one to say it. You're a cunt. <laughs> How many times have I said it on here now? I've got leukemia. It doesn't affect my day to day life apart from it makes me a bit tired occasionally. Right. Now it's not uh, when it gets to the final stages. It's life threatening, but you can control it. And somebody that's as fit as he is yes. can control it easily. But it does make it understandable why he's off TV so often. Because you get yeah. good days and you get bad days. Yeah. But you've got these idiots out there who are thicker than a whale omelette just talking yeah. all sorts of shit in it. Yeah, well, all they're, all they're medical degrees. <laughs> That's my favorite thing about the internet. Everybody's a lawyer. Everybody's a doctor. Everybody's yeah. got a medical degree. Everybody's went to law school. We were all promoters. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Sit <laughs> the fuck down. <laughs> I, I get wound up on the internet all the time because it's like, sometimes it's like you state an opinion and someone comes at you like so aggressive when all you simply did was state an opinion. Like, why yeah. would you be that mad at me? Because I said, I don't like, like the way Shinsuke Nakamura does a fucking kick to the head. That's just an example, but <laughs> it just, it, that's just a fucking opinion. Like what, why is that anything to get angry or jump down somebody's like, throat about? They all take it so personally. <laughs> it's a TV show for Christ's sake. It's because they've got all the intellect of a deep fried testicle. <laughs> yeah. You guys eat deep fried testicles over in the UK, or is that just something weird that we do in the Midwest? I just, I just plucked a, a method of cooking and a body part out of my head. <laughs> I, said, I, didn't, I didn't want to use the descriptor that I'm going to use later on because I've been saving it all day. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was the first one to say it. <laughs> Who thought the American guy would be the first one to say oh, it? Oh, no, I'll be saying, I'll be saying cunt a lot. I mean, I've, I've got somewhere else lined up. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I, ha I have a sampled bull testicle in uh, in batter. They call them Rocky Mountain oysters here, um, mm. and they have a whole thing called the Testicle Festival. I've never been there. I'll never go there. But <laughs> lots of people go. Um, I don't like balls it's in just, my mouth, though. But if you do, whatever. I'm, whatever it's just you like. like I love sweet meats. It's not nothing. Not festival. a load of balls. Because there's the old joke, you know, the, uh, the folks in a restaurant, in a Spanish restaurant, and he sees this big plate come up with rice and uh, big meatballs on it. Mm. And, he, and he said to the, the waiter, what's that? He said, Senor, that is bull's testicles. He said, well, I'll, I'll have a try of them. So the waiter goes away, he comes back, and he's got these little three things on there that look like, Ping pong tennis balls. And he, he, the boat goes, What's this? There's nothing that he says, Sometimes, senor, the bullet wins. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I never heard that one, Glenn. That's not a joke I've ever heard before. <laughs> anyway. We'll get off our soapbox now to stop bitching about the internet wrestling community and we will stop talking about bullet testicles. And we'll talk about the very first match of the evening, which was the Nation of Domination conceiving. I mean, conceiving. I bet nobody had that on their bingo card. Because one of the things we'll be talking about. No, I bet, I bet, no, I bet both testicles on a wrestling podcast about the 1997 WWF. Who knew balls were going to get involved in it? But here we are. Um, so, yeah, the Nation of Domination. we got The Rock, D'Lo Brown, and Kama. They're all they're supposed to be taking on LOD and Ken Shamrock, but they tell us that Shamrock will not be wrestling tonight. So LOD is going to go one on one. I mean three on two against the Nation of Domination. Uh, 
we said we said this last week. I wish they would make their mind up about Ken Shamrock. One minute he's spitting up blood, and the next minute he's fighting Vader in Japan. Now, what is it? Which is it? Yeah, I didn't get that either. First one, then the other. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like, I understand if he got hurt, with, but they were telling me two weeks before he was hurt, and then you're telling me last Sunday he had a fucking martial arts cage match with Vader in Japan. I'm like, well, must not be too injured. Yeah. It's almost like they're making it up as as they go along. (laughs) It's almost as if this is all bullshit, Dan. I can't believe it. Uh, Well, tell me what was bullshit. Vince talking over the Road Warrior part. Oh, God, yeah. Fucking wanker. <laughs> so it's a natural reaction now. Vince's name and fucking wanker. I'm swearing well, happens. You do, you do that. They do that before LOD come out. As you open the show, you don't do it with it. Yeah. There's something that he does too later, um, later in the show, that I thought maybe would be better if he would have just laid out and let it breathe. And it's mm. kind of the same thing here. Yeah. Um, he just need it's the road warriors. Why would you talk while they're coming out and the crowd's going? That's just yeah. You would think if, if that was someone else and he was on the headset, he'd be screaming at them, God damn it, shut up while the crowd's going crazy, you dumbass. What's wrong yeah. with you? But he's out here fucking, oh god, there we go, and then from there. <laughs> fucking luckily for us, this is Vince's last uh head commentator role on a pay-per-view. We won't hear him anymore after this. He is done with this after this, so that's good news. Um, So, I thought this match was one of the better matches on the show. I mean, it was hard-hitting. It was it had a quick pace. I didn't think there was too much gaga in it. What do you think, Dan? It, well, it didn't outstay its welcome, unlike certain matches that we'll see, but it was exactly what you want from a Legion of Doom match. It was big, meaty men slapping meat. They're just absolute fucking powerhouses. Everything that Hawk did, even right down to a hip toss, looked fucking brutal. And same for Animal. It was, it was exactly what it needed to be. It got the got the crowd hot without, without sort of tearing up any trees. And what was your? I mean, was your favorite part of the match is that the Nation of Domination actually won a match by pinfall? Uh, yes, and we saw the first rock bottom, and it didn't even get acknowledged. Oh yeah, you're right. They didn't acknowledge it, did it? Um, yeah, yeah. He did. Um, he did do a rock bottom. I I, I can't remember what happened. Somebody like hit somebody with something, and then they like kind of stumbled into a rock they, bottom. Yeah. I can't remember. Farouk was. Uh, they were fighting outside the ring. There was a big interference outside the ring, as as always with the legion uh, with uh, the nation. Yeah, and uh, LOD managed to get on top. Hulk lays waste to everybody and then sets up Rocky for the doomsday device, but Fruk manages to get to get animals' attention. Uh dumps dumps him to the floor. So he can't they can't do the doomsday device. Rocky comes down, uh Hulk, rock bottom pin. Yeah, it was Kama that kicked Hulk in the back of the head. Yeah. <clears throat> That's what it was, yeah. Yeah, I kicked him in the back of the head and he hit the rock bottom, yeah. So the Nation actually gets a pinfall victory here. Um, there was one point in the match, though, when the Rock had, I think he had Animal down the corner and he started, like, laying some kicks on Animal in the corner. And I don't know if you ever saw, like, in the original women's Royal Rumble match, Sasha Banks was laying, like, some very soft kicks into Lita in the corner. And that's yeah. what these Rocks kick reminded me of. They reminded me of those Sasha Banks kicks, which was <laughs> a little bit laughable because he was, like, kicking but not, like, 
doing any damage whatsoever. It looked like he was like he was more placing his foot on his stomach than actually kicking him. But hey, did you, you know, catch when? Green. Did you catch when Rock uh, just punched Animal Square in the dick? <laughs> I must have <Yeah>. <laughs> Just straight right, buff right in the penis. Yeah. <laughs> in fairness, I I, I, if I had to fire Hawk, I'm punching him in the dick too. <laughs> same, yeah. same thing. So. And of course, it being LED, no sold it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is even more terrifying. Imagine that. You think, oh, I'm going to punch this big guy in the dick. That ought to stop him. And then he just keeps coming forward. Yeah. Oh, God. Reminded me of uh, Deadpool uh, when he punches Colossus in the dick and he just looks, your poor wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's probably what it would be like too. Um so yeah, a pretty solid first opening match. I didn't have high hopes for it when I knew what the first match was, but it was a lot better than I thought it was gonna be. Um and the nation finally gets a pinfall victory because they usually usually uh win by DQ or get counted out or lose by DQ. They yeah. never get pinned or something. There's always interference so. normally, so yeah, to not have the, the ring invaded and get a DQ then. It was refreshing. Yeah. So then we go back to, uh, they got Sunny. She's on the superstar line with Doc Hendricks. Uh, oh, God. She was all over poor Doc there. Well, she was all over him like a bad suit. Which he was wearing a bad suit. As well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just going to say, which is ironic because he had one. He's terrified. You can see in his eyes, he's terrified <laughs> of being that close to Sunny. Yeah. He doesn't quite know how far the camera is out because that man does not want to have an erection on television. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could really tell. It was like yeah. um, if, if you had you had a girlfriend and you came somewhere and you saw like one of your ex girlfriends and she was like trying to hug up on you and you were like, "No, that's kind of the vibe that I got from this whole yeah, yeah. Starline thing." Um, <laughs> They talk about Brian Pillman, of course, a little bit more, and they let us know, you know, the Brian Pillman versus the Dude Love match obviously would not take place. Um, they don't have any other information about Brian Pillman's unfortunate demise up until this point. But then they throw together a minis match. Um, as Glenn, this, sorry, this was the first uh, instance tonight of Vince McMahon having the emotional range of boiled dog shit. He, oh, I've just got empathy and emotion just do not come naturally to him. It's oh. like he's he's heard that people are normally sad when somebody dies, and he's trying yeah, to do right. it, mm. but he's just completely physically incapable of considering how other people might react to it. He's heard of emotions; he he can't do it himself. He's like a fucking robot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I always love to see the minis come out, and so it kind of makes you want to pop. But then when you think about like what I think Glenn said this to us in, in the chat. Um, what did you do? You remember what you said to us in the chat, Glenn? I said, you know, what, a, what a replacement for you know, they, they announced that poor Brian Pilmer's passed. Oh, let's get the minis out there, yeah. It, what it is, is it's supposed to wrestle. Here's the minis, yeah. yeah. I've given some bad news. Look, little people, yeah, yeah, we'll distract you. Here's some little people. I'll That's essentially what, what it is. Next time I got some bad news for the wife, I'm going to get me a whole mess of little people to run out of the car, see if that fixes it. Yeah. <laughs> just just to try, I don't know. I can tell you right now, if she does something to make me mad and they get a bunch of little people running around, I'll be I'll forget all about it. I'll tell that right now. <laughs> the way to get yeah. Brent out of a bad mood, Max Mini. <laughs> yeah, that's how you do it. Um, usually we watch the mini matches and you know have a little fun with it, but 
I think this is just too much of a somber moment that we're not going to do it this time. No, um, no. It's total whiplash. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is Max Mini and Nova. They took on Tarantula and uh, Tarantula Mosaic. Uh, Mosaic. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. Yeah, I mean, it was your standard minis match. They did a bunch of flip-flop and flying. I didn't really take any notes on it. I don't know if you guys did. Not really. No, I did, there, was no, a, there was a few bits. Sorry, Dane, you. No, so I was just going to say there was sort of um, like slapstick shenanigans between Tarantula and Mosaic. Um, the referee didn't really give a shit on uh, whether it was supposed to be Lucha rules or not. No. Kept enforcing tags when they didn't need to be. And there's, yeah, the, it was, was what it was. It was a minis match at a really awkward point in the show. It, it man. wasn't great. <laughs> he took some bumps there. The way, oh, they slapped, yeah. the way they slapped him onto the announce table. There was a call from JR where they said they may be vertically challenged, but not athletically challenged. That's right. I mean, that's a good way to put it. It was better than anything King said. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure he just made a bunch of bad jokes. Yeah, it was not fun. Yeah, King. King. I like Jerry the King a lot lot more when I was a teenager than I do watching him as an adult. (laughs) I think it's because it's like, oh, he's been making those same jokes for 30 years. (laughs) And 30 years before this. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've seen a lot better mini matches. There was a, there was quite a lot of uh, botches and missed spots on this one. But then again, they had no time to prepare for it. Yeah, they just got thrown together. Yeah, they just all had to ride in on their in their little mini car, get out and have a mini match. I'm sorry, I had to do it one time. Um, you think those guys drive mini Coopers? Never mind. That wasn't a thing back then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. After this, oh, they show me. I, I tried. Yeah, I tried. I tried. Sorry. <laughs> I'll have to put some cricket sound effects after that joke. I think. Yeah. Um, after this, they show a video package um, selling Austin three sixteen shirts, and I'm I'm sitting here wondering about how much fucking money they made off of these shirts. What do you think they sold of those? Like ten million. Oh, easy. Yeah, everybody had one. They really, really did. Um, and so Sunny makes her way down to the ring. We get to see her twice in one night. So lucky us. Um, no, and she, she had one of the she had one of the lines that just had everybody like looking at each other sideways when she says everybody knows her history as far as tag teams go. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I distinctly remember going. Ha, ha, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just cutting my up. We certainly fucking do. <laughs> I was gonna try to not make a joke about her too, but you got it. Thank you. Oh fuck it. <laughs> she killed a guy. She yeah. did kill a guy. Crime and Sports called that shit too. James and Jimmy fucking called that shit. They said she's yeah. gonna kill somebody's grandpa, and she did. <laughs> she did. I was, I was about to say fuck Sonny, but no, thank you. No, yeah, I don't wanna. Like throwing a hot dog down a hallway at this point. Um, <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. Uh, so it's a WWF tag team championship match. It's uh, the Godwins with Uncle Cletus battling the headbangers. Um, Another joke. 
Uh, yeah, a whole lot of not the joke. Uh, so Sunny did not like the smell of those hog farmers since they got in the ring. She did not. Sunny dated fucking Phineas for at least a couple weeks. I de- I distinctly remember that happening in 1996. So <laughs> anyway, uh, I promise we're not going to. Did you did you clock what Lola said about Sam Muchnick? Uh-huh. With Sam Muchnick so funny last uh, backstage, he lost control of all bodily functions. <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk about Sam Muchnick later. Yeah, he gets uh yeah. I I I can't believe he was still fucking alive. I was like, good that goddamn, look at him. That's anyway, when they lost control of bodily functions. I'm fucking injured. Surprised he didn't die. Um the headbangers got a pretty good reaction from the crowd, I think. Um I didn't have high hopes for this match going in, and they were right. I, they were I was right because it wasn't very good. Uh Glenn, why don't you tell us how you felt about it? It was just- <laughs> It was a tag match. <laughs> it was a match that happened. It was a match that happened. Uh, after a short cup of coffee, they taken the titles off of the headbands. Not, not even give them a chance to break them in. Uh, Dan, you got any thoughts about this one? I spent a weird amount of time thinking about what Thrasher was doing before the, when they like the Godwins tried to jump him and they threw him out of the ring, and then Thrasher made a motion like that they were milking cows. He was either pretending to milk cows, which is weird for pig farmers, or he was calling them both wankers. (laughs) Yeah, and I couldn't quite tell which. (laughs) Maybe he thought you could milk. Maybe he thought you could milk a pig. Even yeah, one of the was... piece of business episodes that I was on was called Pig Milker 316. You can't milk me. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Did you, we, got the, we got the shittiest diving hurricane runner ever from Thrasher as well. Yeah. Did you see the that stupidest outside? thing about it was they didn't even get it on camera. And then they were like, let's go back and look at this. Why would you show a replay of that shit? It was garbage. <laughs> you should have at least just turned it into a powerbomb. Yeah, yeah. Instead, it looked like I don't know what it was. And then the, the dumbest thing was they didn't get it on camera. They were like, "Oh God, we got to go back and look at this yeah. replay of the shittier Conrana." The the only good thing is at one point Henry Godwin throws a clothesline that looked like it was going to kill Thrasher. Mm. Yeah, that cool. it was. Yeah, that might have been the only good part about it. My least favorite part was at the very beginning of the match when the headbangers and the Godwins had a competition of who could be more gross with their own spit. Um, yeah. And then that, that got an emotion out of Vince McMahon because you could tell that he was absolutely disgusted by that because the King and JR kept trying to make jokes about it and he was like, ugh. Or, and if you're disgusting Vince McMahon, you've done something really gross. Because <laughs> <laughs> we all know what he's allegedly into then. But spitting, spitting in your hair is too much for him to deal with. Yeah. um, Oh, there was a there was a Godwin's there was a Godwin's are inbred sign. (laughs) That that was fun. (laughs) That's mighty rich from fucking wrestling fans in Missouri. (laughs) There was also a sign earlier on that it was um, WCW where the big boys play dot 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 with themselves. I want that on a t-shirt, to be honest with you. That sounds amazing. Yeah, other than the headbangers doing a few cool tag team moves, uh, this match was really slow. 
It went about eight minutes too long, and I think it only went like nine minutes and 52 seconds. Um, I, I don't think that they made the right move at all by taking the belts off of the headbangers and putting them back on the guidelines. I feel like you set – I feel like like the headbangers are kind of like an Attitude Era tag team because they're like kind of, you know, strange, weird. They dress weird. And now you've gone back to like 1995 by giving it to these fucking hog farmers. And I don't know who they lose the belts to, but – I just feel like the the, the headbangers could have lost the belts to whoever it is, whether it's LOD. Because if it is LOD, you could easily turn the headbangers heel too to feel with LOD. So it made no sense to me to have the guard wins from the championships. No sense at all. I'd rather have Max Mini and Nova win the tag titles. Yeah, <laughs> you're not lying. The dog wins oh, yeah. for quite a while, I think. I God, I hope not. Glenn. Because I, hope I have a feeling, hell, you don't know. Oh, the New Age Outlaws are coming in soon, yeah. Glenn's just really hopeful that Rockabilly never comes back because he doesn't want to hear yes. that song again. <laughs> that is it. I know that's it, Glenn. After the match, the Godwins beat on the uh, the headbangers a little um, mm-hmm. until the referee tells Howard Finkel that if they don't leave the ring immediately, they will reverse the decision. And so they finally leave, and thank God that match was over. Um, ah, apparently... Um, this was a short. Just having a look at. Uh, I was looking at the same thing. <laughs> this is this was a short term thing with the Godwins, because they didn't want LOD taking the titles off of the Headbangers. Okay. Okay. So it's the, it's the LOD that get them back next. I I thought it was yeah. LOD, but because isn't when when New Age Outlaws come in, isn't that when they do the whole thing with? Like shaving Hawk's head and, and they do all that horrible crap with his oh, with the yeah. angle. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that now. Um, then they we go into a video and they kind of show all the hell that Austin's raised thus <laughs> yeah. far in this, 1997. I'll put in my note here. It's the ascent up the corporate ladder. <laughs> it starts with the laggies and ended up with Vince. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's spanning uh, a lot of them. Let's let's see a little bit of what Stone Cold Steve Austin's been up to this year. What do you say? Yeah, go on then. No. Stone Cold Steve Austin is, by definition, a rattlesnake. Let me tell you about a... Stone Cold Steve Austin gives no credence to authority. Stone Cold Steve Austin has no friends, no allies. Stone Cold Steve Austin's rage and fury knows no limits. It is blind and without prejudice, even to compassionate pleas of reason. They care about you, that's all it is. You can just my ass. We then get an interview with Owen Hart, the very young, spry Michael Cole, looking very young here in 1997. Um, well, I don't think he was even doing an interview with Owen. I think Owen just popped in. Owen was like, well, I'm here. I'm going to do an interview now. Owen basically says he's tired of hearing about Stone Cold Steve Austin and the Sergeant Slaughter and all the officials in the WWE better do the right thing and keep Austin away from him or 
can you spell lawsuit? I don't know how that really works out, but um, <laughs> and then we do uh, they do like a little ceremony honoring some of the legends from the St. Louis yeah. Wrestling Club. Like, yeah. This was that's a kill time. <laughs> it was, of course, it was because they lost the match. Yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting from sort of a historical point of view. I know I've seen this before, but it was nice to be reminded of some of it. But would it really entice you to buy the next pay per view? It would entice me not to buy the next pay per view because I would have, <laughs> you know, I don't remember this at all from the show. Um, so it was interesting just to see, like, when they talked about, you know, like I talked about wrestling at the Chase, which was, was which took place at the Keel Auditorium. This is the Keel center which is a different place but it was at the same area it's just a different arena um it was it ran from 1959 until 1985 so they they ran that tv show for a very long time um they brought out gene kanitsky jack briscoe dory funk jr harley race terry funk your mother's a whore luthez <laughs> and the very ancient sam Muchnick. uh they show a different video package of each guy um it was interesting to me because i just I just listened to an audio book called Death of the Territories. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but it's, it's it was a pretty interesting book where it talks about how all the territories, how it went from, you know, being so good to everybody being run out of town by Vince McMahon. And so it was interesting to put kind of faces to uh, names to faces, mostly Sam Munchnick, because I'd never heard about Sam Munchnick in my life up until that book. So uh, interesting thing in here. I saw somebody had a sign that said Harley Race needs a Stone Cold Stunner. And I don't even think Stone Cold Steve Austin wants that smoke in 1997. No. no. Harley Race. Harley Race apparently could take um, a coin, put it between his pinky finger and his fourth finger, and bend it. Yeah. Just with the sheer strength of his hands. <laughs> I wouldn't fight Harley Race right now and he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't fight him now and he's dead. I just looked it up. Sam Muchnick here was ninety. Uh, was ninety-two. How old did he live to be? Uh, Ninety-three. No, <laughs> I thought you were going to say ninety-two. Died that night after he saw Sunny. Very unfortunate. No, no. Um, for me, though, it was great to see Luthez um, because uh, over on UTT we covered Luthez's last match against Masahiro Chono, which they mentioned in this. And it, Thez wrestled in seven decades. His last match was against Chona, and he was, I can't remember, I think he was 74. 75, he was. 75, yeah. I'm going to have still moving that. really well. Yeah, he did not look, he didn't look, uh, he didn't, he looked pretty spry for 1997, even. He looked pretty good. Um, so did his last match take place after this, then, right? After 97? No, it was 1990. Oh, okay. When he was, seven, when he was 75, so he was 82 there, was Luke Thez. He looked great for 82, didn't he? Yeah. He was probably still wrestling exhibition matches. Yeah, yeah. It looked like he still used the gym regularly. Yeah, he looked great. He looked great, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, interesting, to say the least. We then hear from Farouk. He's got the nation with him. Yeah, I don't know. He just talked about... Uh, they ask him about Steve Austin, and he says, you know, um, I, don't, I don't know why you're asking me about Steve Austin. He's never been to any places that I've been. He's not from where I'm from, and he's Steve Austin doesn't matter, basically. Um, and then uh, we get some more insensitive Vince McMahon talking uh, about the death of Brian Pillman. And he makes sure to say that they're not sure if it's a, a drug overdose. And we want to make sure that everyone knows that 
that's a problem in all sports, not just in our sport. And why would yeah. you even put that out there? Because he's a slimy, grotty cunt bag. He is. That's yeah. a, sorry, it really pissed me off. It yeah. really pissed me off. And it's only going back to watch this as an adult. You really because I've not watched, I don't think I've really watched this since, apart from the the obvious bit at the end as a cane fan. Yeah, you you just go back and realize just how in plain sight all of this shit was. It's dis- uh-huh. fucking disgusting. Talk about yeah. Cavalry's ass. Yep, it's That's completely exactly what callous. Yeah. yeah, it's exactly what I put in my notes. All he did there was try to cover his ass. If nobody had said anything about drugs, but- you're the one that fucking brought it up, asshole. Now people are thinking drugs. You shouldn't even have said that. No. <laughs> well, how many years removed? How many years? Well, how many years removed from the steroid trial at this point? Four. Not enough. Like four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I just assumed it was drugs all these years, only basically because bloody Vince said so. I didn't right. realize it at the time. It wasn't until yeah. I actually researched it for this that I found out it was a hereditary heart disease. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Like I said, he fucked himself because maybe people were thinking that, but when you say that, then it really drives them to that. And it's like, yeah. oh, they know something that I don't know, and they know that it's drugs when you say that. So, like, I don't even know. Clearly, he's the boss, so he's not going to have anybody go, don't say that. But imagine mm-hmm. if Jim Ross had said that, he probably would be fired. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Again. Yeah, again. <laughs> and then this asshole. Um, but anyway, so uh, off of... Uh, a slimy cunt bag, I think is what Dan Dan called him. I think that's a good way to. Yeah. Farouk versus make, Owen Hart. I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead. And to make matters worse, he says that and then brings our Brian's best friend to have a match. Yeah. yeah. So he was waiting. Uh, Owen was waiting out in Gorilla to come out for a match. When I mean, Vince is putting that out. Into, yeah. Just makes real sick. Owen should have stuck his boot right up Vince's asshole. He should have done. He should have done. God, I mean, when you think about what happens with Owen, it's just oh. fuck, man. I, I, I recorded that pay per view, and I, I remember watching it back. Obviously, we didn't know what happened, um, and then I remember just seeing it cut to you know cut away. And that's what he got for being loyal to the WWE. Mm. Everybody else went over to WCW. It's pretty fucking sad, yeah. Um, you can tell when Owen comes out to the ring just by the look on his face that yeah. he's anywhere but here, uh, which is completely understandable. Um, mm-hmm. Austin comes out and the people go fucking crazy. He flips Owen Hart off. I guess that restraining order is gone, mm-hmm. even though he violated <laughs> it four or five times. Um, it's a, no longer a thing, I guess. We're, it's, it's, only, it's, only, it's only valid when it doesn't make for good TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, <laughs> I made you laugh as the, the fact that there's Sergeant Slaughter out there being about as much used as a chocolate teapot trying to guard him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, God, Slaughter was so fucking useless. He was not as useful as a Mazapan dildo. That's uh, <laughs> like because it's too soft, right? I get it. <laughs> I never heard that before. <laughs> I, said, I like that. I'm going to use that a lot. Um... But this match annoyed me as well because 
I get that Austin's like the hottest ticket in town. He's you know he's, he's yeah. the big up and comer, but all he did here was just be a complete distraction and still steal all the focus. Yeah, this match this match could have been so much more. Hey, can you go be weird somewhere else? Don't do it right there. All right, see you later. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I'm talking to my sorry, my dog's being weird. <laughs> my bad, <laughs> I didn't mean you. Um, <laughs> it was just it's a how strange thing. You've got, got two guys like Owen and Farouk. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, go on. You've got Austin out there being a distraction. Owen obviously doesn't want to be out there, but he's doing his best. Keep Austin out of it, and then instead of having this drag out for. I did make a note of how long. Seven and a half minutes, or seven minutes, 15 seconds. Yeah. You know, keep it down to about four or five minutes. <clears throat> then have Austin come out and interfere, just so you know, it keeps it short, but it gets it gets it out of the way. Yeah. yeah. The whole thing is just so icky. Farouk and Owen could have had a, a, a good five minutes, and you can still have oh. the same finish with Austin just appearing and Swatting Farouk, and you still get the pop, you still get the yeah. the intrigue. He didn't That's need right. to be out there talking shit in the headsets because he didn't yeah. say anything particularly entertaining. The only entertaining part I thought was when he got on the Mexican, uh, the Spanish announced team, and you can hear, but you can hear Tito Santana, Tito Santana, easy for me to say. Uh, you see, you can hear him say loco, and he's like, I don't speak a lot of Spanish, but you saying I'm crazy? And he said, Paquito, Paquito loco, which means a little bit crazy. And he said, I speak enough Spanish to know you're talking shit, and I'm keeping my eye on you. But that was the only good part of it. The rest of it was what makes me laugh is the, key, the commentators keep saying about Austin being a distraction, and yet it's the production people that keep switching the cameras and putting the split screen in and switching the audio feed so yeah. we can hear what he's saying. <laughs> right, they could have just cut him off if they if they didn't want him to be on there. I want to say like every match probably got three or four minutes added to it, and maybe that's why. But the plan has always been for Austin to be out there because they've been talking about him, you know, being out there to forfeit the title. Um, so yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense, especially when you got two talented wrestlers like Owen Hart and Farouk who could have had had a decent match, but they really weren't given a chance. And even if it had been a decent match, we didn't get to fucking see it because they kept putting the camera on Austin. So we wouldn't have known if it was good or not. So it could have been a great match. We don't know. Um, Nightheart makes his way down to the ring. He gets on the apron. When he does that, Austin hits Farouk in the head with the Intercontinental Championship belt. And uh, Owen pins him. He wins the Intercontinental title. They're not sure what the commentary team seems to be um, they just don't understand why Austin would do this when it's pretty fucking clear that he did it because he wants to face Owen. <laughs> Duh. Um, but they were bamboozled by this idea. Brooke um, isn't happy. And yeah. Only purpose of this was for Austin to get over, which he was already over. So it wasn't great. And then <laughs> you get that where it says about the, uh, we have the recap of the hearts and Vader versus a Patriot. But yeah, they had a stipulation to the flag match so that can also be won by a pin. Yeah. Which means it's not a flag match. <laughs> a flag match is a shit anyway. Yeah, yeah. But there has never been a good flag match. If no. they'd done this, if they'd done this, so it ended quicker. Really, it didn't <laughs> fucking end quicker. No, no it fucking sure didn't. Um, but uh, the next match uh, was another filler match. It was the Los Periquas taking on DOA in an eight-man tag team match. Um, yeah, no bikes for DOA, which made them a lot less cool. 
Um, JR calls this a close line match, and I would say that sums it up perfectly. Yep. Savio Vega and three guys whose names I can't remember versus the Nazi twins and two Bryans. Yep. Nine nine minutes and 13 seconds of my time that I will not get back. <laughs> yeah. This um That's my that's my review of that. This match would have been good if it had been eight minutes shorter. My advice to you as the listener of this show, if you're gonna go back and watch this pay-per-view. Skip this match. <laughs> Just go ahead and fast forward right through it because there's nothing to see here. In fact, in fact just watch <clears throat> LOD and the main event. <laughs> That's all you need yeah. to watch on this. I completely forgot that Brian Lee was the fake under was one of the first fake Undertakers. Undertaker. Yeah, yeah, he was. <laughs> he also faked the Undertaker one time when he got arrested for a domestic violence thing and told him his name was Mark Calloway. <laughs> yeah, he did. Needless to say, they're not friends anymore. <laughs> yeah, he did. He got arrested no. for domestic violence and told him that yeah. he was Mark Calloway. Yep. As you can imagine, the real Mark Calloway was well pissed. Yeah, he was not. Mark, the Undertaker wasn't happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is the flag match, and uh, let's hear from the combatants in the flag match and how they feel about the upcoming flag match. Call it home field advantage, call it what you will, but there's a good chance the American flag could be flying high tonight in the Kiel Center. Well, you're dreaming, that's all. That's what American are. Americans like to dream. Well, they can go ahead and dream. But reality is, the Hart Foundation, the British Bulldog and myself, we're going to set one more example, and that example is that we are better than any two Americans in the World Wrestling Federation, whether the American wrestling fans like it or not. British Bulldog. That's right. The only flag that's going to be waving tonight is the Canadian flag because the British Bulldog and the Hitman are going to be victorious tonight here in St. Louis, right here. The Bulldog and Brett ready for the flag match. Back to ringside. You've got the home field advantage. Over 21,000 screaming Americans right here in the Kiel Center. Millions at home. Put it real bluntly, the pressure's on. Park Foundation, we've had our problems. We've gone round and round. But tonight, I go to the ring with every intention of settling this thing once and for all. And big man, you've got my word, but I'll do anything and everything it takes to get it done tonight. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Ain't that a bunch of bull? Oh, uh, well. The picture at night, we don't have much in common, except we don't like big mouth Canadians trash talking Americans. And tonight, together, we will play the pain game. For it is Vader time. Vader time. Uh, <laughs> whose promo was your favorite out of those four? David. It's going to be Davis. He forgot what he was saying and just fucked yeah. off. <laughs> right here, and I'm out. <laughs> yeah, right here tonight. 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 I'm Come on. <laughs> I oh, I love like, the did, bulldog. Did the Patriot use that same voice? Like, say, if he goes to McDonald's and was ordering, I want a double cheeseburger with no onions. Yeah. I thought it was Bob Backlund. <laughs> he sounded like Bob Backlund, didn't he? A beta giving Ray Vince a JR heart attack by about saying bullshit. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember which pay-per-view it was, but there was one where Kane beat Vader. Pretty 
pretty quickly. And somebody interviews him after the match ringside, and, he said, and they ask him about you know what went wrong. And he's like, "Well, look at me. I'm too big. I'm just a big fat piece of shit." And he just walks off. <laughs> I, I that. He's like, "I'm so big. I'm just a big fat piece of shit." Did he just say that? Yeah, I remember that now. Oh, I'm just so big. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, so the best part of this match was before the bell rang and there was like a brawl between all four men that was like going all throughout. And I feel like I would have liked this match more had it actually been a flag match and been like Texas tornado, like tornado rules where there was no tagging. I think it would have been a much better match, but since you had to tag in and out, it killed any flow that they may have ever had. And the the other best bit, again, before the bell started, is that they're using the you suck music for the Patriot? Yeah, Kurt Angle music. <laughs> it's certainly more appropriate for the Patriot than it ever was with Kurt Angle that he sucks. Yeah, I know. Absolutely, pal. Um, but the thing with this match is Brett, great hand. Bulldog, yeah. great hand. Bader, great hand. Del Wilkes, serviceable. Yeah. They could have had a, just a straight up tag match and it made it great. They could have had a flag match and made it. Better than shit. Yeah, yeah. But just mixing the two, like you said, Brent, it just made no sense. It just when it felt like it was getting going, just... it all just slowed down again because they had to go for the flags and they had to keep thinking of ways to go for the flags and cut it off. At one point, I'm pretty sure Vader punched Brett directly in the arsehole. <laughs> <clears throat> Which I think Lev Morgan took up that took up that uh, that same sort of uh, assault on Bianca Belair. <laughs> Uh, an elimination chamber. I don't know if you noticed, but she gave Bianca Belair several punches to the buttocks. I'll have to go back and watch that again. Yeah, have a look. <laughs> the actual highlight of this match for me was the referee putting boots to that fan that decided there's going to be yes. stupid enough to get in the ring. <laughs> yeah. That guy couldn't get back to Mike Kyoto. If he would have gotten the bulldog, bulldog would have fucking eaten him alive. <laughs> well, someone else, someone else. Put, I think it was bulldog put a couple of boots in as well. Oh, he did. Yeah. But the bulldog was really... trying to down off the apron and whoop him some more, but Mike Kyoto was like, yeah, "Get back in the ring!" Yeah, might be it. Mike Kyoto by sticking the boots in on him actually saved his life. Yeah, Jr. had the line of the night for that too. He said, "I hope that guy's insured." Yeah. <laughs> oh, Brent, there was a. I had a question for you about this match. Uh, um, as the only American on this week, is joking someone with an American flag patriotic? I, I was just, it depends on if you're storming the Capitol. I think. <laughs> Fair enough. I was always going to go with an autoerotic asphyxiation joke, but yeah, that was better. <laughs> I think what it is is you have to have a naked hooker with you, a big pile of cocaine, and you have to be playing "God Bless America" on a boombox for it to be patriotic. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Oh wait, wait, wait! While shooting an AK-47, don't yeah. forget that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just a little pounds of coke and fitting 50 stars and all the white stripes. Yep, perfect. That's that's how we get down in America. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Vader did do a moonsault where Davey moved, and then Vader almost like went all the way around and landed on his feet, which is pretty goddamn impressive. That's um, crazy. Yeah, Vader was absolutely the, 
the star of this match because I feel like out of everybody, he really had his working shoes on, and I thought he was. He looked really good, and you can't you don't say that a lot about his WWF run. You know, a lot of it he didn't look very good, and I thought he looked pretty All good right. in this match. Yeah, I'd go along with that. It does say a lot though that even in the last match and the the Godwins and headbangers, this crowd were were really hot. They, they were good all night, even if sometimes it was a bit Pavlovian. They went really quiet in this match because it went on for so fucking long. They bored them into it. Yeah. <laughs> and then out of it and back into it. I think people were falling asleep and then waking back up when Vader hit the mat hard. They're like, oh, the match is still going. <laughs> and, and the end of the day, you're asking these guys to do 20 odd minutes of a nonsense match when <clears> they <throat> lost their friend earlier on in the day. It was never going to be good, even if it had been 10 minutes. Yeah. It should have all been snappy, short, get it out of the way. And get home. But yeah. they, they end it on a pin. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody nobody benefited from this match. No. <laughs> Brett went with the with a roll up too, and he was holding the tights, and not a single person on commentary acknowledged the fact that he held the tights. No one said a word. Yeah, which if the commentators can't even be bothered, then why should I? Twenty one yeah. minutes fifteen to get no. a roll up. Yeah. To get a roll up <clears throat> in a flag. <laughs> Was it you, Brent, that said it felt like an Iron Man match, or was that you? It felt like it was felt like the the Bret Hart Shawn Michaels match to me. It was, it was definitely not, an hour. Was, yeah. That was an insult to the Iron Man match. Actually, quite no, like the that. Iron Man match is good. I'm just saying it felt every bit of an hour. I was. Oh. I told my wife. I said I've been watching this match for four hours, and she said it's been twenty minutes. And I said, No, it hasn't. <laughs> Couldn't be. I never thought I'd be able to find a Bret Hart match or a Bulldog match that would make me kind of hate wrestling a little bit. Mm-hmm. But this one did it. <laughs> this was the fucking one. Yeah, this was the fucking one. Um, they get a they do a promo after the match for Survivor Series, and they're calling it Gang Rules. No, no. <laughs> they actually they managed to make the gang warfare thing look far cooler than it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. Also, if you su- if you order it and, s- and send in your cable bill, you can get a free Survivor Series dog tag. So. That's pretty cool. Hucky-cucky. Nah, all right. Nobody says any. Nobody said anything about arrogant assholes. But speaking of arrogant assholes, here's Shawn Michaels. Obviously, all <laughs> the talk is over with your illustrious career on the line in moments, because only one man is going to walk out of the hell in the cell. Best I can tell, good news. There's some bad news. The good news is this match is not for my coveted. European Championship. That will stay around the waist of our break kid, Shawn Michaels. Now, the bad news. 15-foot-high steel cage. No way in, no way out. Well, there is one way. Through a locked door. Once I get in, once the Undertaker gets in, it'll be locked behind me, troops. I think I'm going to have to go this one alone. Born for my wonderful athletic ability, the fact that I'm tougher than nails, the fact that I'm the man here in the World Wrestling Federation, the fact that I'm the showstopper, the headliner, the main event, is the only thing that's going to get me through this. That and the fact that I am the most tenacious man in the World Wrestling Federation, and the fact of the matter is, ain't nobody crazy enough to do this gig. 
except for the heartbreak kid. So I'm going to go out there and show you why I am the number one guy in this business today. You missed off the best bit. The best bit of that promo was just after when Triple H went to start talking and they just cut the fucking thing right off. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah. They said, nah, we got enough. <laughs> yeah. No thanks, Beaky. He yeah, he really like buried the European championship in the beginning of that too. He made it he made it like a seem like a joke title and it didn't even fucking matter. Like he might as well throw it in the garbage. Yeah. But you just had to win it was the thing. He just had to win it, but it's just a piece of garbage. And I I loathed that part because I just I don't I was like the, the why he's got audacity. It. Don't know why he's got it. This is an egomaniacal twat basket. Yeah. Was. Let's just go with was an egomaniacal. I think, I think maybe maybe he still is. I don't know him, but he seems to be a little well, bit better person now. So, I mean, I mean Sean, in, Sean in 97 is an egomaniacal yeah. twat yeah. basket. A hundred percent. Even he admits it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll freely. What I did like, was. what I did like though, the China was stood there looking badass with a face like a bulldog licking piss off a thistle. Yeah, and Rick and Rick Rude and Triple H both looked hung over. Triple H looked like he was hanging hanging on for dear life, even though we know he doesn't <laughs> <Yeah>. drink. <laughs> yeah, maybe he just maybe he didn't get a lot of sleep last night. He worked out too hard. Yeah, but yeah, China was just standing there looking like a menace. I mean, like a stone cold menace. She looks great. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So then we get Sergeant Slaughter. He's got a flashlight. He's checking underneath the ring. This went on forever. <laughs> yeah. Why? We saw we saw them putting the flags up before, which took an age. Yeah. And now we've got the cell lowering without any fanfare, which is really weird. Yeah. But JR did a good job of getting across how dangerous it is. So dangerous, in fact, that it nearly ate Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> <laughs> we wish it would have. You know, the guy is such a good official. That he didn't notice a seven foot mon red monster wandering around the back, wandering around out the back with a little fat man. <laughs> well, who's the matchmaker in the cream egg? Yeah. <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter was in catering. Give him a break, okay? <laughs> you think Paul Bearer wasn't? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can say that. I'm allowed to say that I'm a fat fuck. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? You know what? You're right. <laughs> but yeah, once they're they're sufficiently agreed upon that there's nobody under the ring, there's no Hornswoggle's not under there, Selena Vega's not under there, Rick Rude's not under there, China's not under there, nobody's not under there. Um, no Joe Gacy with a boxing glove on a pole. Oh my God, that was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> God, that was great. I popped so hard when he popped that with that thing. I said, oh God, yes, he's got a boxing glove on a stick. I love it. Oh, that was good. Um, so Sean comes out. He's got all the DX with him. Undertaker makes the long walk down to the ring. As I was watching this, watching Undertaker walk to the ring, I was thinking about how, how much history all the fans in the arena were about to witness, and they didn't. Yeah, it's as, as short that ramp was, though, so it didn't take him that long to get there. Only yeah. 45 minutes, not an hour. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys see, though, the actual uh, the set around that little entryway? Where they've gone to the effort of making it look like a mini cell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That really wasn't showcased enough. No. The fact that we only saw it just before this match was yeah. was kind of bullshit. It was looking like really good. I actually heard <clears throat> I heard something on the Something to Wrestle with podcast that I will share that was supposed to happen with that fence when a certain someone makes his debut at the end of this. That didn't happen. Um 
So one of my favorite parts of the match is when the Undertaker gets in the ring and they start actually locking the door with the chain and the padlock. And you can see the realization start to set in on Shawn Michaels' face that there's no way that anybody's going to be able to get in here to help him. And he ain't going to be able to get out. And he's going to have to figure out a fucking way to actually fight a fucking zombie in a cage. I just thought the way he sold it was really good because he was like, oh my fucking God, I'm going to die. <laughs> he tried yeah. to make deals with such a slaughter. Yeah, I thought it was really good. And the whole cat and mouse thing around the ring. It was like a really big, like, it was like Mr. X in Resident Evil 3. Just yeah. constant stalking or all, like, sort of like Jason Voorhees, you know, Michael yeah. Myers just stalking him one pace around the ring, knowing he can't get anywhere. I've got, yeah. I've got that note of the, the Undertaker's just there stalking his prey. Yeah. It felt dangerous. And HBK had his. Um, he had his crazy selling boots on, didn't he? Yeah. He even had a mad sell for old school where it looked like he belly flopped into a swimming pool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for the better part of the opening 10 minutes of this thing, I mean, it was just Undertaker just throwing Michaels around. I mean, Michaels was a bumping machine um, to open this thing. Um, I don't know. We could, I guess, go ahead and tell me a few favorite spots of yours in this match because we could really talk about this all day because it's a fucking absolute clinic of a wrestling match. Um, but what are some of your favorite parts of the match, Glenn? At one point, we're taking kids out of uh, Sean, and we see the power of the cage for the first time, where he throws him over the top rope, he smashes into the cage, and sort of runs down it like a broken egg. There was a, a where Taker threw Michaels just over the top, and Sean just went straight to the floor, just flat on his back. It looked like it. Fucking sucked. Another another highlight for me was whoever the bloodthirsty idiot in the crowd was shouting, make him bleed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy had had a bad week or something. He just wanted to see somebody hurt. I think that was the effect of having to sit through the flag match live. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he was so angry. Yeah, it makes sense. The pal driver's on the stairs. The pal driver on the stairs by Sean. Yeah. Uh, as he as he took over, because they basically just traded ass kickings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was it was it was slow paced, but it wasn't plodding. It was different. No, it, it was how to be methodical. It was a good paced Undertaker match. You're not going to get <laughs> it. it you, you're never ever going to get Taker at 100 mile an hour. There wasn't a whole lot of laying around in the match either, oh. and not to necessarily mean that that's a bad thing, but they basically kept it moving along. And it, like you said, Dan, they did a good job of. Like Undertaker would get his licks for a while, and then Michaels would get his licks for a while, and then they'd do something, you know, in between them both to do something really big where the one other guy would be able to swing the momentum around to get the upper hand, and then it would change back. And I thought they did a really good job of going back and forth with that. Um, and then, like, the throwbacks of, you know, the Undertaker gets Michaels gets a chair out from under the ring, and they're like, This is all started with the chair shot because I'll start with the chair shot at SummerSlam. Um, <laughs> There was a lot of stiff chair shots in the ring. Michaels eventually gets backdrop out of the ring onto a cameraman. He then beats the cameraman up, um, which gets the door opened. And then another really great part is when Shawn Michaels hits the super. This is the part. Shawn Michaels hits the super kick. Taker completely no sells it, sits right back up. And Michael says, fuck this. I'm yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He takes off out the door, and then I when they, they get outside the cages, when shit really starts getting interesting, it certainly does. 
Yeah, I like the just as well with the uh, the catapult in, into the cell from the entryway before he started climbing. But there was oh, another yeah. bit when uh, there was oh it was when they were on the top and there was blood dripping down onto the camera. Yeah, that's the bit, uh, the bit that on my notes I just got through. Yeah, with that blood dripping down. <laughs> but then I think it's the cameraman. You hear the cameraman? Oh shit! He goes, <laughs> yeah, oh shit! Yeah. You hear? He goes, oh shit! Yeah. There was another bit with the cameraman as well. You can tell that they were, you know, this was the first time that they'd done it in this confined space. Because there was one bit where Sean actually fell over the cameraman and gives him a good bollocking. Yeah. in the way. Yeah. Um, oh, another good shot was when Taker was just long darting Sean. But they were filming it from the outside, so you could see Sean's bloody face just getting mashed into the, yeah. into the cell. That, that looked really, fucking awesome. That was really good. Yeah, Sean bled buckets. He's bleeding everywhere. Um, this is like the most bl blood we've seen in a match since Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13. Um, they get up on the top. He's throwing. He's picking Michael up, slamming him down on the top. You can see blood dripping down into the cage. Michael starts to try to climb down the other side, and he's kind of hanging there by his hands. Take your steps on one hand. He lets go. Steps on the other, and then he comes. Crashing down through the announce table, which is probably the craziest bump in WWE up until that point, if you I think must, about it. I think this is the start of, of <sighs> the uh, Spanish announce table having a big target on it. <laughs> that, it yeah. Carry on through the Attitude Era. It was when a young Shane McMahon looked at him and thought, I'm going to fucking beat that. I can, yeah. Do, yeah, yeah. I can do better than that. <laughs> Maybe then daddy will love me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, then um, Cody went, yep, I'm going to try and kill myself because I'm not being outdone by you two. <laughs> we get the classic line, though, don't we, from JR, the, the by God, he may be broken in half. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. By God, he may be broken in half. Yeah, so the Taker gets him back inside the cage. He wallops him with a steel chair. Um, he go he, he hits a big choke slam off the top rope before he did he hits him with the choke slam on the top rope and then he hits him with the big chair. He signals for the tombstone, but then the lights go out. Mm. Go ahead, Dan. Tell us about it. Oh, it's beautiful. The lights go out. That music hits. The best Kane music, in my opinion. Yeah. We have the red lighting, the pyro goes off. You've got this huge monster. Paul Bearer, like a pudgy gremlin in the background, you know, rubbing his hands with glee. And it's, just, it's the red, it's the mask, the hair. He's huge, just walking down the ramp. And you've got the iconic call from, of all people, fucking Vince McMahon. That's got to be Kane. Great when you say it once, not so great when you say it seven fucking times. Yeah. Yep. We got it the first time. And the look on Undertaker's face is it's just masterful literally yeah. looks like he's seen a ghost but then we get kane physically ripping the door off the set walking in there standing eye to eye with take sorry glenn go on did you notice that when they were actually standing there eye to eye they weren't eye to eye i think that they'd actually to make him look even bigger kane was wearing elevated boots yeah, he looked. He looked an inch or two looked, taller. Yeah, he looked a couple of inches taller than Taker there, which he doesn't later on. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I, yeah. I think that was definitely something like we we got to make him look a little bit taller just so he can look like he's a he's a bigger he's bigger. I mean, he's already physically bigger. You can tell by the body size, but we wanted yeah. to look just a little bit taller too. Um, and another part 
that I I listened to this on something to wrestle with because I went back and listened to their show, which they did a few years ago. And apparently they put some sort of gel or something on that cage in the entranceway. And when it came out and, and they did the boom, the it was supposed to catch that on fire too. So that whole cage oh. area was supposed to catch on fire and continue to burn until Kane made his way out of the arena. And imagine how much even better of it, it would have been if that entire cage would have been engulfed in flames. Oh, yeah. That would have been would have awesome. Been. Yeah, it would have added that I mean, would have been awesome. An extra minute, an extra layer on top of it. It was already fucking really, really good. Um, and then, uh, so what did you guys think about? So when Kane picks him up to Tombstone, him, it looks like I, I'm pretty sure he's trying to find the hard cam. Um, yeah. Well, when I was a little kid, when I was 14 years old, I'm thinking to myself, he did that to show how much power he has that he can just right. pick the Undertaker up and just doll him around like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think while you can look at that as a bad thing, I also think you can look at that as a really, really good thing because he's just so powerful that he can just rag all the Undertaker around. Yeah. Yeah. It works both ways. And well, then... hey. Sorry, Dave. No, I was just, I was, no, you go, Glenn, because I'm, I'm, as soon as I start again, I'm going to be going <laughs> into a little bit. So. I think. I, I think yeah. This could have possibly been Glenn Jacobs' first tombstone. Mm, yeah. He put Taker down on his head rather hard. And uh, I think uh, Taker would have taken him aside after that and basically said, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it properly. Yeah. <laughs> it looked, yeah, it looked, um, looked impactful. <laughs> yeah, for sure, yeah. at least. Yeah. But this is that is a way to debut a monster. Oh, God, yeah. Have them come out, rip the door off the structure you've said is the most dangerous thing in wrestling up until this point, and instantly drop, well, the unkillable. <clears throat> the, zombie, yeah. the, the zombie the zombie, Undertaker. Hmm. This was the start. Of the, I actually, actually, I would have begged to be on this show because Kane, <laughs> Bret Hart was my first favourite wrestler. Kane was my first favourite character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially around because this was the start of one of the best stories in wrestling, Kane and the Undertaker, brothers that last you know, last twenty fucking years. But I've said it on other podcasts: the shit that Kane goes through in a couple of years' time, when they're calling him the big red slur that we don't use anymore in polite company. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was this giant, dangerous bloke who was essentially mistreated and bullied and everybody tried to take advantage of. And that was a lot of my childhood. I was a bullied kid and whatnot. And so I was a lot bigger than everybody else. Yeah. And seeing it play out on TV that Kane could overcome that and then get to be a champion was really fucking good. And it it stuck with me all these years. Now the, the shame behind it, the shame is that the man behind the mask, Glenn Jacobs, has proved himself to be an absolute piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like to think that Kane would be ashamed of Glenn Jacobs. Yeah. <laughs> I believe he absolutely would be, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not to get too personal, but that's why I really just wanted to be on this show. And I'm, I'm never going to pass up a chance to talk about Kane and, and to go back and look at what started it all was uh, was a lot of fun. Despite I- most of what we saw before it. <laughs> I think that's great because, um, like, when you can share stories like that, because I don't think people, people who are who aren't wrestling fans, will never understand. Like, it does impact our lives, and it doesn't matter that it's just a TV show. The people in the TV show can make us feel a certain way, and I don't think a lot of people understand that. So I'm glad that you shared that story. 
Yes, yes, so am I. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, Brett, you'll have to hear it again as you listen through UTT. <laughs> this is what wrestling does. It, yep. it, it, we'll go on about how device it can be and how toxic international it, the internet wrestling community can be. But at the end of the day, there are so many people that have got inspiration and comfort in wrestling stories. Uh, you yeah. know, it's, it's an amazing medium. And we're lucky to be part of it in a small way. Absolutely. Uh, but going back to that, um, one little bit that I enjoy right at the end is as the Triple H and, uh, oh, what's his name? Oh, I've gone blank. Rude. Rude. Uh, yeah, Rick Rude. I've got Shawn Michaels. They are just picking his arm up and making him wave away from it being midnight weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> so <laughs> lifeless and they're carrying him along. Yeah, he was fucked. <laughs> yeah, in case you haven't figured it out, Michaels, the tombstones undertaker, Michaels crawls over, puts an arm over him. One, two, three. Shawn Michaels is the winner. They drag him out, literally. He doesn't look like he has any idea where he is. And he probably doesn't. Uh, so, like I said, this sets the stage for two gigantic things going forward. You've got the brother versus brother feud of Kane Undertaker that's going to span for 20 years. Something that's going to be talked about for the rest of pro wrestling lifetime, the Montreal Screwjob, because now Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart are set for a collision course Survivor Series, which is going to be the next pay-per-view that we look at. So... Yep. What a pay-per-view this is when you look at it on the whole. A lot of bad matches, but the end of it was really, really solid. This actually sums up Raw over the last three months. We've had a lot of bad matches, but great stories. Yeah, we've had a nugget of gold amongst the shit. Yeah, yeah, one little nugget of gold. <laughs> Just like one night only, we found one nugget of gold, which is Bret Hart versus The Undertaker and the rest of shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a common was... denominator there. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's Dan. <laughs> it was a weird shot of debut for Kane, and I remember, though. In my head when I was a kid, this lasted for like an hour. Oh, oh, The Undertaker, that too, yeah. Uh, Dan and The Undertaker. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. It did feel like it lasted a lot longer. I was always a big Shawn Michaels fan. And so I wanted him to win this match because I wanted him to face Bret Hart for the championship at Survivor Series. And so I remember when the lights went out, I was like, yes! Because I knew that that meant something was going to happen that was going to yeah. stop The Undertaker from beating Shawn Michaels. So I was celebrating. <laughs> and as he's walking out, and he, it's got to be Kane. I'm jumping up and down. Yes! Yeah, I'm like Daniel Bryan! <laughs> I lost my mind. I popped through the ceiling. I... I might have been happier than Dan was. We <laughs> watched it back later. <laughs> As I've been keeping notes of the times of all these matches, all these matches that lasted thirty minutes, and yeah, he seemed like the shortest match on the card. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's crazy. It's, it's. I think it was um, Triple H and Undertaker with their their. Second WrestleMania match, you know, it was the first one of when they did two yeah, years in a row. Twenty-eight, uh, twenty-eight, yeah, yeah. Their match at twenty-eight felt like about ten minutes, but it went forty-five. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. incredible what good pacing can do. That's what I told my wife. I said I watched some of these matches in '97, 
and they are a chore and they seem like they go on for hours. And I watched some of them that fly by like they were three minutes long. <laughs> and this was one of the ones that flew by like it was three minutes long. And no matter how many times I watch this match, I'm always in awe by how fucking great it is every time I watch it. <laughs> I think you can say that with all the great matches. Like, if you go back and watch Cena versus Punk at Money in the Bank, I feel the same way about that every time I watch it. Or if you watch Austin versus The Rock, more for me at WrestleMania 19, that's my favorite Rock versus Austin match, but it's just such good moments, and it just it, it always puts me in awe of how good the shit is. So, um, Anything else anybody else wants to say about this one before we put a bow on this? No, I don't think so. Uh, hey. Just one last time, I will say that Vince McMahon's a comeback. That's fine. That's, what, that's, that's fine. absolutely fine. <laughs> that's, what, that's absolutely fine to say. Yeah, I agree with that. We can all agree with that. Well, Dan, uh, before we get you out of here, where can we find you? What can we? Where can we hear you? Let people know where they can find your shit. I'm over on that Twitter X Twix thing at Dan Griffin Twenty One. Usually tweeting a load of old bullshit. Um, you hear my stuff plugged every week by uh, by Mister Abbott over there. Uh, unbooking the territory, first and last of wrestling. Um, I forgot the name of my own podcast. Unbooking oh, the territory. did you pull the clan? He doesn't know it. <laughs> I was stuck in the territory. Oh, unstuck, <laughs> uh, unstuck in the territory, unputting the territory. And I'm over on SJP World Media uh, doing the Doctor. Oh, go on, Brent. The Doctor Who podcast with Danny inside. Check it out. Yeah, SJP we've... World Media. Yeah, we've got that, and I'm on the volley. Uh, with my strike partners, the magnificent Matt Lewis and Connor from Connor Knows Footy, covering everything from Premier League games to MLS games to AFCON and doing all our alternative commentary and eating pies while we do it because I took a thing about athletic endeavour and made it all about being a fat bastard. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys got like a uh, draft special coming up on SJP World Media soon too, don't you? Uh, yes, Draft Domain will be coming soon. Uh, that's sort of a more community project. I'm in a good few episodes. Uh, Marty from the Marty and Fit shows in a fair few, size in a few. We're bringing Mags in, Glenn, Ben from uh, from Ram to Meisters that has now sadly ended. Uh, but go back and listen to that in the back catalogue. Yeah, keep an eye out for Draftomania. And if you want to come on the show, just let us know. There you go. Yeah, check it's all that out. I'll happily do another one. Well, we're getting to, we're, going, we're going to get another uh, round of recordings uh, sorted fairly soon. So I'll give you a shout. Yep. Let us know. I, I, I think an AWI pod draft series, a draft show would be fun. So let us know. Let us know. We'll check it out. But anyway, make sure you give Dan a follow on all those wonderful yeah, things. Yeah, thank you. Listen. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> me versus Glenn. I, I think me versus Glenn would be a probably a massacre, but I guess we'll see. Um, Glenn, uh, some of your plugs are out of the way. Is there any other plugs you got to get in? Uh, only did it interest. <laughs> DC right. adopt every Friday or Sunday this week because of a personal issues they've had over the last few weeks they're a little bit behind but yeah give them a check out because they do a great job over there give them a check out for sure and of course you should check out sportswire radio and give our buddy thomas bryce a follow on the twitter x and on threads and on instagram it's thomas bryce 2017 on the twitter x is thomas bryce 2020 on the other apps that i mentioned check out their youtube page check out their website sportswire radio with a z.org and, of course, give the other member of our podcast team, the Mayor of Canton, a follow on the Twitter X. He is at Mayor of Canton. Every Wednesday, he does a meal with the Mayor. If you want to know what he's going to eat this week, you should listen to the new episode of AWI Pod Worldwide because, at the end, he tells us. But, otherwise, you'll never know until Wednesday comes.
Uh, but yeah, give the mayor a follow. Check him out. Um, let's check out all the projects I just talked about. AWI Pod Worldwide. We finished off Uncensored 2000. We watched the Apple Pie Strat Match. Who nobody knows how you win an Apple Pie Strat Match. Not even me or Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair, and they were in it. Um, of course, check out The Life and Times of Psycho Sid. Episode 23 is out right now, and Sid is Hogan in Memphis. And if you want to hear me sing, then listen to that show, because I sing on there. Um, and I think that's it, Glenn. I don't have anything else, do I? Uh, no, that's it. That's it. Now all we need is for Glenn to say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>